I did the work, I tried, and therefore no one can criticize me. Yep, that's how the internet works. Hello, student of tomorrow, and welcome to the downloadable concept podcast, Online University. We have such exciting times for you, such as this testimonial from Jeb Branch. I went to the downloadable concept podcast university for three weeks, and now I'm a lawyer? (laughs) Yeah, but no one's taking me to Chick-fil-A. And we have such esteemed troublemakers on campus as Fox Rowdy Lee. Uh, I enjoy the uh, community spirit on campus and the wide range of clubs and activities to blow up. Here at the Downloadable Concept Podcast Online University, courses are taking as little time as one click, two clicks, giving me a dollar. Thank you all for your time, and we look forward to you at the beginning of semester. We sold that pretty hard there, right? Yeah. I quit. Okay, fine. Yeah. Reasonable. I can use that tag again. Good. Video games. Now, sure are some video games. Now, I know for a fact what Fox has been playing, so we're going to give her the third position. I only have a very little thing to say, so hey, Jeb. Yeah. Want to carry the segment, buddy old pal? Nah. <laughs> Uh, I finished Torment. It's really good. Ah, yes. You finished it already. He's had two weeks. <laughs> yeah, but I'm used to Bioware RPGs dragging on for months. Torment, Torment's not, a, it's in exile. It's not Bioware. Well, g- yes, but it's uh, in the spirit of earlier Bioware RPGs, let's say. I mean, the Torment is a bit of a giveaway. No, it's a good 30 hours. Yeah, that's a that's a definitely a robust time for a campaign. And is this with... It was really good. Maximum time allotted to side quests fucking about, or sort of just... I did all the side quests I could find. Okay. And anything I say would be a spoiler? <laughs> Literally anything at this point. Literally anything. <laughs> It was excellent. Uh, the 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 as you get later in the game, they get more. I don't want to say combat focused, but there are more opportunities for combat, and the combat is really bad. Oh no! Nah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we thought the combat had been fixed. No, it just didn't last long. Is what I said. I never <laughs> said it was good. I just said it didn't take long. No, but I mean that would be a fix. Fair, fair. Speaking of bi- speaking of actual Bioware RPG, I played the some early. Parts of an early part of Mass Effect Andromeda, and it's not very good. Ah, uh-huh. nah, that's a shame. Hey, that continues the legacy of Mass Effect One. <laughs> <laughs> just with hmm. just with a plot that's even more contrived. <laughs> hot takes from Dallin. Oh yeah, Mass Effect One was hot garbage. I you know, <laughs> uh, 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 are we gonna are we gonna get into this? I don't think you've ever made a secret of it. Yeah, Mass Effect Two, I really liked. Mass Effect 3's multiplayer was amazing. Mass Effect One. Fucking hell, that game! And so, Mass Effect Andromeda. One of the key point one of the one of the key points of Mass Effect Andromeda is that uh, the, this colony ship has gone to the Andromeda Galaxy from the Milky Way Galaxy, and when they get there, they're surprised to find out that the readings that they got back in the Milky Way Galaxy about these planets were are no longer accurate. Hasn't it been going for years? Do they not? <sighs> the people? Well, it's been six hundred years, but also it's like twenty million light years away. <laughs> the stars probably aren't even there anymore. 
That's hard. Works. Six hundred years is easily the supernova window for a star. That that is so like. Well, not like not only that. That that, that, that six hundred years was just how long they've been. Tra- they had been traveling. Mm. That's like lame uncle. Don't ask me how they traveled that. It's <laughs> like lame uncle hanging out with nieces and nephews and being like, "This is what the kids still like these days, right?" <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> Are you still playing the Pokemons? <laughs> Wait, no, Americans say Pokemon, don't they? The writing, not very good. Obviously, people have, there have been takes about the way it looks. Uh, the, the animations, well, Jackie, didn't really bother me. What did bother me was the platforming. There's mm-hmm. platforming? I, yes, uh, there is platforming. Uh, I don't know why. What, what, tell me, like, with a jetpack or something? Low gravity planet. Well, we have a jump pack. Okay, I guess. Uh, no, not really. Well, I mean, the, maybe there are other planets that are low gravity, but the one you you crash on. Hmm. Oh, so this uh, is why you, people were comparing uh, it to Breath of the Wild. To... <laughs> no, people were comparing it to Breath of the Wild because people can only compare things in their immediate mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Because it's extremely, like, the the parts I played were extremely linear, and I don't know why I had to jump over expanses. <laughs> why am I, do- why, why? There's just a whole lot of why about that from, even, even the little bit I've played so far just leaves me asking why. Does it feel kind of like a first draft? Uh, no, it feels like, um, nobody actually working on it wanted it to make it, but they got a very sternly worded letter <laughs> from the marketing department. Oh, no. Yeah. It's true, they did try and make a pretty fucking conclusive ending in mm. Mass Effect 3. Mm. They did try. Mm. I'm not saying it's good, I'm saying it was final. I'm, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not trying to get into the Mass Effect 3 ending. I thought it was vaguely hilarious hearing people complain about the appearance of characters. Have they not played Bioware games before? <laughs> Bioware is not good at attractive anything. <laughs> they can do some nice scenery sometimes, but they can't do characters. They've never been able to do characters. Speaking of train wrecks, I also went, I also went and played some more Star Ocean 5. Ah. Uh... Wow. That game's <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Really, really bad. Stunningly, stunningly bad. Now, catch me up on this. It's been a long time since I, I was I up to date with Star it. Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what which, would you like to know? Which console is this on? Uh, Star Ocean Five is on the PlayStation Four. It's PS Four. Okay. Um, and and uh, what what state is the universe in? Good question. Uh, there's an alien <laughs> girl who crash landed on this planet that is still using swords. Oh, okay, so they, it, it's, uh, um, sorry, go on. The same, as always. The same as always. Yes, uh, that's what I was going to say more Science fiction, really, really, really shitty science fiction in your really shitty fantasy, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the, the characters, the, the, char- the main character, uh, uh, whose name is Fidel, but I'm calling him Jace. <laughs> uh, because he looks like Jace. <laughs> Like literally, he has the fucking cloak and everything. You still get to name everyone, Jace. No, ah. no, so uh, they still call him Fidel. Because that is one of the few things that can make you feel sort of more affectionate towards a shit house game. The the way that that Jace moves is um, because they don't have any transition. They they wanted to have a, a seamless combat system. They go directly from combat to 
ex- to map exploration and, and oh, yeah. vice versa. The way that Jace moves is always the same. So he goes from a dead stop and he takes time to accelerate and then he's going full tilt. Ugh. It's really, really awkward and jarring <laughs> when you're not in combat. <laughs> it's like a bicycle. <laughs> and it, and you have to, you have to like shift his weight to turn. Oh. It does not work at all when you're just going around the town. And then he goes too goddamn fast. This doesn't sound <laughs> like I a never good idea I would in that combat. You explore too fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. Really bad. Also, all the character models look like that. Look like those, uh, 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 whatever they call the, the, the plastic. Figurines, Nendoroids, or whatever. Uh, Nendoroids look fantastic. They look like they. <laughs> oh, here we sure. go. Aesthetic fight. <laughs> I'm sitting here playing with a piece of they, string. Do you two look fantastic when they're. Do they look fantastic? Do they look fantastic when their skin is moving around? When their skin is moving around. Yeah, as in when a model is moving. You know, like their mouths are moving. Oh. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, they look pretty great as Vocaloids <laughs> in the rhythm game. Like, those are based on the Nendoroid stylizations of the characters. The people who made the Vocaloids clearly cared more about the animation than the people and who made look, Star Ocean 5, though. I will say this, way better than full-size Vocaloids. <laughs> the the uh, models on those are always kind of, wow. <laughs> the Nendo ones look superb. Anyway... Anyway, okay, so they they look like dolls, basically. Creepy dolls. They look like big plastic dolls. Nasty! They look like big plastic dolls. It's really weird. Uh, And, of course, this is a Star Ocean game, so it's Daddy Issues the game. (laughs) Um, Jace's Daddy Issues are such that he is totally okay with his dad's plan, which is literally to exploit the magical powers of a child in order to exert his country's will over the others and stop war. This is fine. This is fine. It's fine. This is... This, which, granted, again, this is Star Ocean. That's normal. That's, uh... Okay, I've read but it. But it's still really weird how just... Oh, yeah, this is, this makes perfect sense. Yeah, sure, we'll go exploit this child's magical powers. Well, you know, this is an anime game, so the child is probably... Uh... You know, to to be treated as a complete adult. She's and... an alien. Okay. No, she's definitely a child. Oh, okay. And an alien. Oh boy. Do you have to free her and exploit her magical powers yourself? Yes. I thought so. This is great. What's the I ethical response? Her. The kid might be him. I, don't... The, I, I, I should say just them. Then the I'm alien. not actually sure if they specify if the child is a boy or a girl. Sure. Right, yeah. Um, but the child is a child. I can and see. The child has magical powers, and the heroes exploit the child's magical powers. I can see why you would default to she, because usually in an anime, that is always, 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 always a girl. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So if it's not, that would be but pleasantly I could, different, I, I suppose. Mistaken. Except for the whole, you know, exploiting a child for military. Yeah. Well, I said pleasantly different, not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got. Uh, j- just to wrap up, this means that Jeb has enjoyed Torment, not enjoyed Mass Effect Andromeda, and enjoyed not enjoying Star Ocean 5? <laughs> that is a really good way to sum it up. I may not enjoy Star Ocean 5 again real soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, Talon, what have you been playing? Um, so, first things first, I finished Night in the Woods. And I... <sighs> mm-hmm. 
I want to express that I didn't like it, but I want to make it very clear the way in which I didn't like it. Because there is nothing about that game that is badly constructed. Like there, the, every every criticism I have of that game has to sit on top a level of the game is a well-executed version of a game. And the side questy stuff, like the, the stuff it lets you do is is good. The characters are affecting. The, the, the expression mode it has is consistent and it has a consistent tone. Like none of, none of what I have complaints about when it comes to Night in the Woods is anything that should be taken as criticism that, you, that no one should like this game or that people who do like this game are missing a glaring problem this really is an amazing example of a game which competently delivers on its themes and its values and i just disagree with them uh, as i interpreted them so i mean it's it's pleasantly Mm -hmm. rare like this is an example of Mm -hmm. basically it's the kind of thing i wish we had more of because it's not a game i can look at and go this is bad because the writers didn't give a shit and didn't know how to tell a story i'm going I don't like the values this story espouses, which is a completely different thing. And it's a higher level of criticism. So I, I don't, I don't intend to get into it. It's just like, take, take that for what you will, people who are interested in, in Night in the Woods. And it's not even a, a case of the, the things that you don't agree with aren't inherently wrong or right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and other people are going to take a very different interpretation, a very different feeling of these things away. I, my, my, my criticism of it feels almost not worth discussing because it is so effectively a person personal lens it's it's really related to my specific interests and my specific experience so critically trying to give other people a useful set of tools for engaging with this work i'd say go play it it's what 15 bucks it's really quite good and if you don't like it you'll probably dislike it not because of it wasted your time but because it told you a story you didn't like and that's a really rare thing we get in games these days anyway um the other thing i played also, Greg rules. Oh yeah, Greg. Greg. Greg is untouchable. Greg, like the, the story. The sto- all right, fine. The characters of Greg, B, and Angus are so great; they are worth price of admission. Five bucks gets you a Greg. Five bucks gets you an Angus. Five bucks. Five bucks gets you a B. Game. Game sold. All right. Seriously, if you want a really nice, effective fucking around with friends in a in a lo- in a sleepy little town kind of game. Totally, go go get night in the woods. Greater plot. They even throw in a, they even throw in a, they even throw in a lorry for free. Yep, and you know I can see some people liking germ. Anyway, uh, also I'm really fond of May's mum, which yeah. you know probably makes a lot of sense. Oh, how about that? She's got her she's got a religious yes. mother who works with works with church groups, and Talon likes that mother. Oops. <laughs> that, are we supposed to think that's a foregone conclusion? It would be very easy for that to go the other way. It's basically my mum. Okay, but religious moms come in two flavors, that's is what true. I'm saying. That's true. That's and the true. only information you gave is she's religious and works with church groups. Yeah. You've known the other version of that character as well. That's true. All right, so. That's all I was saying. Mo- <laughs> so moving on from Night in the Woods uh, with a final note that, give it a shot, um, is I played Mysterium. which is an amazing board game. I love this game so much. I'm so salty about this. I wanted to play it with you for the first time, but we just didn't do it. We didn't, yeah. And, and, and Mysterium, Mysterium is a game in which the players, minus one, are playing psychic investigators at a mansion where a terrible murder happened some years ago. And the other player is playing the ghost who was Mm -hmm. murdered. The ghost can't talk, 
The ghost can only handle... The ghost can... Go. Oh, I was going to say, can the ghost go... Ooh. I, yes, yes, you're... A, well, this is the thing. The rules don't explicitly say the ghost can't talk. The ghost says... The, the rules say the ghost has to have has to limit communication. And so the, the house rule we worked with was I could do spooky noises and I could... When when I used the crow, that's, there's like a little game asset that's a crow, I was allowed to go and have the crow fly off. Well, um, that's not the ghost. That's the crow. Yeah, it's the crow. And, and and but whenever anyone wanted to ask me a question, they had to ask, "Oh, ghost, the the ghost. You know, did we guess correctly based on what you've shown us with these cards? Uh, the answer come. You know, knock once for yes or hey. twice for no. It's very fun. It's very affecting, especially especially because it just builds its own tension automatically because the players. As they're phrasing the question, you'll notice that they start going second guessy on themselves. But the, <laughs> but the icons are on the table, so they're like, "Oh, ghost, did you mean that I should be choosing the chef?" <laughs> and then you knock, and then there's these dreadful pause where they wait for the second knock. <laughs> anyway, it's yeah. also hilariously indulgent as far as physical pieces go. Like, you could do a cut-down, tight version of this game with, like, a deck of cards and uh, a deck of solutions. Mm-hmm. I was going... I was I was just wondering if you, as the ghost, instead of speaking in spooky noises, could, could speak in obnoxiously obtuse riddles. <laughs> if you were good enough. <laughs> well, the way the ghost does communicate in Mysterium is they have a deck of cards with abstract art on them. Very odd stuff, often with a huge number of possible interpretations based on just the, the miscellaneous stuff in the picture. Is it fully abstract or is it no. more like, you know, dreamscape it's, surrealism kind of? It's very dreamscape surrealism. Yeah. It's things like here is a desert, there is a cow skull in a shadow of a barn that's floating above it, but there's a cross on the front of the barn and the weather vane is flying off. And you hand that to someone and there are so many different things they can interpret out of that. Um, that's just that's just Kansas. <laughs> yeah. And and so a lot of it comes down to expressing information to the other players. And one of the best mechanics Mysterium has, though, is everyone has to make a guess on their turn about what they think that they've been told by the ghost. But you also get these vote tokens that say, I think that other player is right or I think that other player is wrong. And those add an amazing tension to the game. What's the what's the practical upshot of that? Um, <clears throat> there's basically a track at the top of the game that indicates how clairvoyant you were through this whole game. And when that track, the, the higher you get on that track, the more cards you get. The, the, the final puzzle is presented as three cards. And if you only just got to the final stage, you get to see one of them. If you got fairly decently, you get to see two of them. And if you got really good at your clairvoyance, you get to see all three. And if you see all three, you may, you may make a better guess. You may not. It's, it's interesting. I really enjoy playing Mysterium. Um, I, I do have one quiet kind of gripe with it, which is it seems very hard to translate to an online remote experience as it is, because so much of it relies on the nice physicality of its props and the theater of handing over cards and watching as players flip them over. So it makes me think about ways that I could design a similar game so that people who are, you know, limited in access could play it using things like Tabletop Simulator, you know, more, more engagingly. But that's just a thought. That's interesting. I mean, I don't, look, I, you can still play the game. Yeah. Um, it might be that a different kind of theater emerges in an online space. Mm. 
Anyway, Fox, what Breath of the Wild have you been Breath of the Wild playing today, Breath of the Wild? <laughs> nice delivery, Talon. Very subtle. Mm. Breath um, of the Wild. <laughs> well, I actually realized that I forgot. Um, last week, I was so I was so taken with the good things about Breath of the Wild, I totally forgot to bitch about the voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, one of the very first things this game does is talk to you using real words with a voice actor, and I was terrified it was going to be fully voice acted. Which is one of the worst things you could ever do to a Zelda. It's a horrible idea. Don't do it. Um, the voice acting that is there, also horrible. Uh, the, um... You know how a lot of the time the particular badness of dubs is because they have a Japanese vocal archetype and they're trying to sort of impersonate that rather than substitute in maybe a more familiar archetype that occurs in English language stuff? Like the incredibly soft-voiced, nice, worried girl Mm -hmm. who just... you, You can't just do that with the same pitch and the same fluffiness and the same tone and make it work with English words the same way. Um, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and the, there's, there's two girls whose voices are more or less like that, and they are by far and away the most egregiously bad. Um, the, the voices of the male characters are mostly better. And there's one cool older woman character who has a much better voice. Um, but also the direction is a huge problem. Like, I'm not putting this all on the actors, because a lot of what's voiced is just endless monologuing from a character. Because the only other person in the scene is Link. Ah. And of course, he can't say anything, and thank God he doesn't say anything. <laughs> but that does mean that there's just characters endlessly talking at him, uh, with only, like, uh, physical action as response. And it just sounds really bizarre. The, the Zora princess in particular, her actor just uses the same cadence for every line, basically. So it gets so tedious. Oh no. I just, I just wanted her to stop talking. (laughs) It's not on the character or anything. She's perfectly nice. All the characters are quite well written in this. Just, I just wanted them to shut up. Okay. It's really unfortunate. Zelda herself gets more bare but she's interesting because you watch her confidence degrade over the course of these flashbacks but you see some of the latest ones at the beginning and of course you can see them in totally different orders depending on where you go and what you do um it's really interesting i definitely feel like there's a bit of an adventure time influence going on that could just be a coincidence but yeah uh the the bright uh, lively Zelda is a much more inter- interesting character and a lot more bearable to listen to. It's uh, once she gets all sort of distant and mystical and sad girl that she starts sounding absolutely dreadful. Um, I don't think any of this is spoilers, really. And uh, yeah, no, it's not really because you you all of the stuff that happens later you find out about first. So. I don't feel like I'm ruining anything with that. Well, you gave away that there is Zora in this game, along with <laughs> every piece of horny fan art in the world. <laughs> oh, Shark Prince, yeah, you, you, the uh, Fishonen. You gave away that. You gave away that Zelda eventually gets more mystical and quiet over the course of the game. No, she doesn't, though. Yeah, oh, I miss you, Tetra. She, well, don't worry, it's not remotely as bad as a Tetraing, but. It's more like she starts off mystical and quiet and you find out how she got that way. So that's not really a spoiler. Like the very first thing you hear is her being all mystical, quiet, sad girl. She, she full on starts with the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
That's not a spoiler. It's like the first okay. voice line in the game. But that's the most recent thing that's happened. Chronologically. But that's like the most recent thing Chron- that's happened. Like you said, the flash. Chronologically, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what, that's where she starts at, and you see the earlier version of yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I miss Tetra as well. Uh, the other thing I have to say is, fuck the golf shrine! That is the worst shrine ever! That is the most bullshitty bullshit. Oh, I don't think this is spoilers either, it's just... <laughs> Did you say golf, golf shrine? <laughs> okay. Uh, this is also not a spoiler because it happens before you even unlock the main game. Uh, you get a power that lets you freeze things in time. Uh, just objects. It would be so good if you could use it on enemies. We can't. Uh, you freeze things in time and then build up in ki- build up kinetic energy in them by smacking them around with stuff and then release it and results suggest themselves. Um, and there's one where you basically golf in this way. There is a ball, you need to freeze it, and, and build up the right amount of force in it, and aim it properly, and, you know, that's great, but there's a particular shrine where the whole puzzle is doing this right, and it's just the worst fucking... <laughs> For starters, the turning controls are not remotely... Uh, fine enough for lining up a straight shot to be, uh, I was gonna say easy, but more than that, to be practical. <laughs> um, and it gets worse from there. I don't wanna say anything more because that might get spoilery, but oh my fucking god, I spent like <laughs> three hours trying to hit a fucking ball Look across- looking at the outside world going, oh, there's all these beautiful cliffs to be climbed and monsters <laughs> to be assassinated and snowfalls to freeze to death in and I'm underground trying to hit a fucking glowing ball <laughs> over a Shiga goalpost <laughs> and I want to eat the face of whoever designed this. <laughs> I uh, I went walking the dog with Fox after <laughs> she had succeeded at this. It was... It was a vent. It was a long vent. That's why Talon's very quiet. He's already heard all of this. Yeah. It's like, just let it out. Just, it's, it, this, is, this is a healing time, Fox. <laughs> I shall I shall keep you updated, listener, and let you know if I find this any more therapy. bullshit than the golf shrine. It is absolutely number one right now. <laughs> and now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print for the year of 1993. Brought to you by Shiga Mini Golf. Because fuck you, hero, that's why. For 1993, for hardware perspective, this is when Sega released the Model 2, an arcade system board that had 3D texture filtering. <laughs> Fujitsu released the FM Towns Marty, which was the first 32-bit home Ooh. console and started the fifth generation. The Panasonic Gold Star and Sanyo Coalition. God, that's a that's a set of names that doesn't have a great ending. That's the 3DO. Yep, they released the 3DO. <laughs> Atari released the Jaguar, claiming it was the first 64-bit home console. Oh, that's cute. Commodore it Business wasn't. Machines. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Narrator. It wasn't. <laughs> Commodore Business Machines released the Amiga CD- CD32 multimedia home <laughs> console. <put> <laughs> If we put two 32-bit chips in the thing, that makes it 64-bit, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Math checks out. And if I have two dinners, that yeah. means I have eaten lunch. <laughs> Nintendo released a smaller redesigned NES, which is a thing they do, apparently, which <laughs> allowed cartridges to be inserted at the top of the console instead of the front. 
Pioneer released the oh, laser-active multimedia uh, home console. The top I loader for- also worked better. I forgot the original Model NES the even had the, the front better. thing. <laughs> it's like a fucking VHS. Oh, man. <laughs> and Sega's Mega CD was released in Australia and Europe. I'm not going <laughs> Wait, no, that's that's Mega CD. That's not All that's right. So. <laughs> I made a fool of myself. Yep, you have you have made a mockery of the legacy of Ann Knuckles. <laughs> My sonic cred forever destroyed. <laughs> you never talk to me or my sonic or my sonic sonic ever again. <laughs> All right. So first up, some arcade titles, and these are going to be a little easier than normal because they're just a little more obscure. We we weren't arcade. This is going to be fun with this delay that we suddenly have. I know, though we appear to have cleaned up a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> first up, June had the release of what was regarded as kind of a turning point in uh, video game media culture and started off a new panic about violence, <laughs> despite the fact that it was a sequel. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> yep. That's the one. Mortal Kombat 2. Because Mortal Kombat 1 got a little bit of a fuss, but uh, uh, let's, let's wait to see if there's a big fuss for 2. <laughs> it was, I don't know, one wasn't gory <laughs> enough for the parents' groups? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Mortal Kombat, but I'm going to assume one still had blood explosions everywhere. Yeah. Uh, SNK, who at this point are kind of top dogs in the uh, in the growing yeah. fight game scene, release a game that doesn't have uh, that has an uneven distribution of attack buttons. And instead of having a instead of having a light heavy uh, punch kick, it actually has three attacks with one of your modes. Samurai and one- Showdown. Samurai Showdown. Yeah, yeah. out of the first Last Blade. Yeah, La- Last Blade is basically a refinement of that formula when they were. So- Oh, good at pixel art. Last Blade 2 was the so good at pixel art. That's true. Last Blade 2 is gorgeous. Fucking beautiful thing. Namco released a game that became a punchline for the PlayStation 3's launch because it has had a version for every Sony console up to the PS3, uh, the PS4 launch. The PS4 is the first game to not have a game from this franchise. Sorry, sorry, first console to not have a game on the, uh, um, from this franchise on it. Is it Ridge Racer? Yes. Yay! Sega laid the foundations of the 3D fighting game by releasing Virtual Fighter. Yeah, Virtual Fighter. Holy shit! I'm totally wrong. You really know your shit about arcade games. It's on the Dreamcast. Ah. Uh. <laughs> 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 Woo! Oh, this 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 will knock your socks off though because these both relate to sports. Well, wait, <laughs> a, second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Is this another case where Jalapeno is going to have to come and tell us where we're wrong? Probably. <laughs> but no, um, Sega. Well, I, actually, you'll probably tell me I'm was wrong. On that before, yeah. But you'll you'll probably tell me if I'm wrong here because I've referred to this as a sport game, but it's a sport game that involves a stock car. Oh, surely that's a racing game. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, I just I just think of car racing as a sport. I don't realize why. Yeah, in the real world, but ca- racing games are not the same as sports games. Absolutely not. And it's a Sega release. Re- Se- Sega release. A Sega release. <laughs> Now you know how Australians get away with pronouncing Sega correctly. We have to change it to a different vowel in the word. We swap it around. We should said Sega Release. That would have been even better. <laughs> Sega Release. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't fault him for that. Everyone said Sega in Australia. Officially, official Sega merchandising said Sega. <laughs> well, when they dubbed it, yeah, the voice still clearly said Sega. Yeah, but who actually Virtual had a Sega on? console? Everyone. Uh, sorry, Jeb. <laughs> Virtual on. No, uh, it's a, it's named after a sporting event, which is named after a place. Oh, um, um, no, that's a, it's like a Formula One or something, isn't it? Yeah. 
I want to say Daytona because that's Daytona. It. it was Daytona. Yep, Shit. you're both right. Oh, I thought that was like a Formula One thing. I'm pretty sure Daytona's not Formula One. Oh, God, I know less about car racing than I think I do. <laughs> I know less about car racing than you. The only reason I said Daytona is there because are lots that's of a racing game I know. Mm, mm. I'm going to guess if you build a really important track, it gets they don't they don't just leave it alone for nine months of the year. <laughs> I don't, don't look. What races do is alien to me. A lot of races. Hey, Jeb. This one was released by Midway, yeah. revitalized the sports genre, and by 1994 had become the highest earning arcade game of all time. Excuse me. NFL Blitz? NBA Jam. Shit, I would have gotten that one! <laughs> Just because it's the other <laughs> one you've heard of. Yes! Oh, sports game on the Sega. Okay, I know Daytona and I know NBA Jam. Because <laughs> that was the boring one that my cousin liked to play, and I was like, I don't want to play a basketball game. Let's play Sonic. All right. Now, setting aside that that's the arcades. That's 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 the that's the big chunky heavy hardware that's so cool. But anyway, the the point is that's that's all done. Now the home consoles and the, and the home market. First up, we have LucasArts releasing a first-person space combat simulator. Shit, I was going to say is it Loom again because you said FM Towns and there's only one thing I know about FM Towns. <laughs> But you promised me it would never be Loom again. I Yeah, I was not planning on ever making it Loom again. <laughs> so first-person space combat, that's going to be some X-Wing versus TIE Fighter type stuff, right? Well, before X-Wing, X-Wing versus TIE, or TIE Fighter. Yeah, before X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, there was X-Wing. Right, there you go. Um, Nintendo releases a game for the Super Famicom and SNES. The next one is not a Star Wars, but it is a Star something. Thank you. Nintendo releases a game Star for Trek. Star Fox. Star Fox. This is the first appearance of Fox McCloud, Falco Lombardi, Peppy Hair, and Slippy Toad. Just saying. (sighs) Nintendo releases the first game of this franchise for the NES. It is the second game in this franchise, which started out on the Game Boy. And this NES game introduced the character's ability. Yep, Kirby. Yep. It also introduced the character Meta Knight, who apparently was just too big for a Game Boy cart. Huh. He is hilarious in the bizarrely dubbed Kirby TV show thing. Oh, no. <laughs> he's got like an Antonio Banderas voice. Oh, no. It's great. He's, he's, he's a knockoff Antonio Banderas. He's superb. That's amazing. <laughs> Virgin Games publishes a game which is which became a killer app for the CD-ROM drive, which I think is being a little generous. <laughs> Because the real killer app for the CD-ROM drive came out later and it was released by Broaderbund. But this game was yeah, a was horror game. <laughs> yeah, we just got to preemptively scratch mist off the latest part is, of the uh, This is, I know this, I know what game this is. Yep. I know what game this is. Yeah. It is 11th Hour. Oh, you're so close. It's 7th Guest. It's 7th Guest. 7th Guest. Yeah. Is it a bit too early for 11th Hour? 11th Hour was next year. Yeah. Yeah. A bit too early. Yeah. A small bit. All right. No, we have a LucasArts sequel game, which they Luke said they did doing. And in so, <laughs> in the creation of this game, they may have accidentally created one of the greatest games of the 1990s. Not accidentally. Like, they meant to be a good game. They just weren't expecting to be quite Yeah, so sure, sure. Day of the Tentacle? Uh, and it's obtuse as fuck. Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. That's a sequel? It's a sequel to Maniac Mansion. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a standalone thing. No, which is why in one of the computers in that in the building. Yeah, to an ending of Day of the Tentacle. Maniac Mansion. Oh, Day of the Tentacle Sorry. comes. No, 
an ending to Maniac Mansion, yeah. I thought this was going to be a time travel thing. No, though there is time travel in that game. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's why I thought it was going to be a... Also, the entirety of Maniac Mansion is in Day of the Tentacle, <laughs> and you can access it without the copy protection that this game shipped with. <laughs> so if you got a bootleg copy of Day of the Tentacle and you didn't get the copy protection solution, that sucked for you, but at the same time, you could play Maniac Mansion. That's a pretty good game. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's not that good a game. Anyway, um, That's impressive. Like, it's be really up. hard, you man. You know what else I want to put out there? It is, but it also it also tried things that no one else was doing. Yes, I'll definitely give you that. I liked when our sequels were allowed to have different titles to our, our beginners. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, I miss that era. Yeah. Now you gotta brand it. You gotta brand it hard. Yep. Next up, we have Activision attempting to reinvigorate a text adventure game made by a company primarily known for text adventure games, Uh releases a first-person full-motion video game in one of the oldest gaming franchises that exists. Zork? Zork. Ah, which Zork? Not no, Nemesis. No, you're, you're right. It's it's Return to Zork. Return to Zork. Yeah. You both I knew it was a Zork. Yeah. My best friend had this game. Uh, it's not a good Zork. No, it's not. And like, the best Zorks are the ones that are deeply front... Oh, okay, no, the best Zork <laughs> is Zork Zero, but... The best Zorks are not missed, let's say that. Mm. Microprose released one of the most important 4X space games ever made. I should know this one. You own this game. Yeah. It's not Star Control. Master of Orion? Master of Orion. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Broderbund released a chunk of Jeb's childhood. Doesn't it have umlauts? Isn't it Broderbund? It's not an umlaut. It doesn't have the umlauts here. I could be wrong. It's a slash through the O. I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's Broderbund. It's missed, by the way. Yeah, it's it's missed. It's totally missed. (laughs) Sega released the the first appearance. Don't come at me about missed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. when it comes to Mist, Jeb woke up earlier than you. <laughs> hey, did I try? No. <laughs> you, I was I was nitpicking over actually... pronunciation, not hazarding a guess. <laughs> that was directed I was not time. born yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> when you come at the Mist King, the listener, you better not be the person who missed. I will fight the listener. IRL. Oh man, next time I do a fantasy game, there's totally going to be the Mist King in it somewhere. <laughs> and it's not John Goodman. And he can be a Yeti. Because in the parody game, pissed. Yeah. No. <laughs> I. Oh, don't, don't, don't. You get to fill me in on a joke later. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, no, yeah. That, yeah, uh, we're moving on, we're moving on. Uh, Sega released a game which marked the first appearance of an enduring love interest and villain. Well, two characters. One is an enduring love interest and one is a villain. That's disappointing. Yeah. Uh, This is also around the point people were saying, why do these games keep adding all these characters? Knuckles is love interest. Sega, not Nintendo. Oh, you said Sega. Sega. Hey. um, Cool. Okay. So this has got to be Amy Rose and... uh, Sega Metal Sonic. Yes. Which we're introducing what game? Show off? Sonic CD. Okay. Uh, Everybody know that. Well, I do. You know what else was introduced in there? The Sonic Boom song. Such a good song. Such a good video clip. You know. This was on the disc. I don't believe you. It's like the good Sonic animation thing. (laughs) It's just one video clip. If you play the re-release, like on Steam, it doesn't have that. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, that's bullshit of the highest order. I thought I thought you were going to say fox, 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 fox. If you're fast, you can fly. You can reach the other side of the rainbow. Okay. Nope. We're stopping this right now. <laughs> Lucas Arts <laughs> releases the actual best point-and-click adventure game of the 1990s. You said it wasn't Loom. It's not Loom. Well, then it's, it's not the best point-and-click adventure game of the 90s. Get out. <laughs> it's better than Loom. Nope. Yep. Nope. It's better. No, it's better than it's better than Day of the Tentacle. It's- I'm trying to figure out what you think is, is it better. Sam than and Max Throttle? hit the road. It's Sam and Max hit the road. I love Full Throttle to bits. Okay, yeah. Do not do not get me wrong. Okay, no, but I, 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 can, I, can, I can I can I can see you saying Sam and Max. Yeah, it, it's very much a Sam and Max. me. <laughs> it's very much a me position there, uh, the listener. I you know don't don't get me wrong, Fox is incorrect loom came out in 1989 so it doesn't it got re-released like four times in the 90s that's sure counts the version i played was a 90s version and it was the best point and click adventure of the 90s okay sam and max never made me cry or sing the songs 25 years later so screw you sam and max made me cry anyway that's kind of cheating since the music from loom is swan lake anyway (laughs) that's not the point (laughs) all right virgin games started on a franchising trend working for what's pretty much the biggest media company that you can name off the top of your head uh making game tie-ins for their movies oh yes and this is the first one on the genesis oh oh um uh no hang on too early for that beauty and the beast no the one in the middle of those two it was Aladdin? It was Aladdin. But Beauty and the Beast was on the Mega Drive. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't get made until after Aladdin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that's fucking weird. It is pretty fucking weird. Sure, okay. Yeah. So this is back when the Disney tie-in games were good. Well, the uh, the Aladdin and Lion King games I've heard generally are pretty good. I don't know about the Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I've played I played the Lion King game. It's its biggest flaw is that it kind of bottles the ending. It's still a pretty good platformer. <laughs> played the hell out of both of them. Very yeah. good games. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, I have heard it's it's a two sided thing. The beast gets to maul things and bell does puzzle solving stuff and i have heard the her side sucks ass um also aladdin had to stack up in my mind to prince of persia which was doing a lot of the same aesthetic stuff aesthetic yeah but not a lot of the same gameplay oh, stuff no not like, even they could hardly be more different experiences yeah. in yeah. play. <laughs> uh, nonetheless <clears throat> id software released a game there's such a good chance to make a joke there. Yeah, you did. You said the Lion King. Oh, no. Hang on. Never mind. Id Software released what could be well referred to as the video game of the 90s. Well, I just assumed Jeb would have said it by now. <laughs> I don't know. We're waiting for the delay. Ah, yes. Commander Keen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it was It was Doom. <laughs> It, it was just, just for the okay. listeners' sake. It was it was Doom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Starcraft was definitely the '90s game as well. Anyway, yeah, uh, id Software released Doom, and we can you, you can find people more dedicated to the subject than us talking about Doom. There there's are a, fucking books on Doom. Yeah, okay? there's, yeah, We're there's, done. there's a book on the history of the making of Doom. For fuck's sake, um, Doom. Doom. I've has never in played it, Doom. Ah. There should be a book about 90s PC games in general called Loom and Doom. Yeah. There's a, um, on, on the note of Doom, id Software have academic papers yeah. written about their code. Yeah. And one of my favorite things I've learned about this is there's a section of the code which does like a really quick and dirty shorthand approximation of an inverse square root. Oh, yeah. And it's commented in, I think the comment just says, what the fuck? <laughs> and... 
Yeah, it's something to do with real numbers. Uh, mm, mm. Yeah. And no one remembers who made that section of code. And that's a section of code that was touched by both Paul Steed and John Carmack. And Paul Steed's passed away, and John Carmack's a space brain. So I don't know how that happened. But well, if Carmack looks at it and goes, I didn't write that, then we assume he's right. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyway. I assume he remembers every piece of code he's written and names them like children. I assume that... <laughs> robot children. I assume... I, I assume that John Carmack just spews forth code and has no real connection <laughs> to what he's typing out. You actually talk to him, he responds in binary. He enters, he enters like, this fugue state. <laughs> I love that John Carmack's wife and he have a shared hobby of literal rocket science. <laughs> that is amazing. Like, that's the hobby. <laughs> that is a special type of power couple. All right. Sierra released an attempt to make a gritty, dark point-and-click adventure game, which the women involved had to fight really hard to get made and had to contribute a whole bunch of other stuff, including King's Quest, I want to say V's second half, was mostly written by a writer who was trying to get to make this game. Have you told us about this before? Is it a murder mystery? Uh, Phantasmagoria was a little bit later. This is... Um, Gabriel Knight. Well, it wanted to be a franchise. Yeah, it, it's Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers. Oh, okay. The first Gabriel Knight game. And um, my friend Georgia went back and replayed Gabriel Knight. And she said, this this guy is a less whiny, nice guy. <laughs> like, ultimately, she doesn't feel bad playing the game and seeing him get hurt. Because, yeah, well, fuck you. At least that's one of the of Sierra Protect. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Well, there's a certain shittiness that is required for a lot of point-and-click games, just a baseline level of willingness to fuck with other people's lives to get your goals. Yeah, and, and like, Roger Wilco was an ast- astoundingly whiny uh, protagonist who mostly spent his time complaining about having this these responsibilities thrust upon him, and he gets an unbelievably out-of-his-league woman because he was nice, and, yeah, it's... Meh. He was a nice guy. Like, she actually says, oh, you're such a nice guy when she dates him. Anyway. anyway. Hey, look, that used to be a real sentiment that you would say to a guy. Oh, geez, yeah. Because it used to mean that he was actually nice. Yep. Next up, we have... I don't know how to describe this game. It's... It's part of a franchise. It's part of a franchise that's been on our minds a lot lately with the release of a spiritual successor that disappointed everyone. Um, there are dozens of them. I don't know how to differentiate this one from any of the others. Oh, is it a Mega Man? It's a Mega Man on a SNES. And I, hey. I couldn't tell you which Mega Man. I don't know. The third one. <laughs> Seven? I don't know what they're called. Um, no, it's Mega Man X, but I don't know if that's also Mega Man 7. Like, I don't know this numbering system. <laughs> I would assume that's 10. No, Mega Man X is Mega Man X. No, it's pretty early Oh, on, for fuck's sake! <laughs> but doesn't X mean 10? It does, but they weren't using Roman numerals. No, X Mega Man 10 is X. Mega Man 10. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> this is, it, it's the name of the Mega Man. Like, they, he, I know this because he shows up in Zero. That's he, the only he, place I know him from. He is Mega Man <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Well then, Electronic Arts released, according to this, the first use of motion control photography in video games. Oh my. This game is pretty obscure. I, I don't know much about it beyond that. And honestly, if it didn't get mentioned here, I probably would have forgotten it forever. Um, developed by Stormfront Studios, there's an unfortunate name, and published by EA Kids. <laughs> 
The game protagonists are twins oh. Jake and Jennifer Eagle, who form the detective agency of the game's name. The character of Jennifer... Is it going to be Eagle Eye? Yeah. Yeah. Eagle Eye Mysteries. I've never heard of this. I just, you know, once you hear those names and the detective agency using that name... Oh, I see. What yeah. Yep. Uh, Eagle Eye Mysteries. If I which... heard about an Eagle Eye from Stormfront, I'd be worried. Yeah, that's that's a pretty worrying combo. <laughs> There's a lot of imagery in this that doesn't work so well in a modern context. And now my favorite bit of trivia from this year. This is also the year that Bullfrog released a strategy game, and no one knows when. Dungeon Keeper? Hey. There is no. It's not Dungeon Keeper. It's uh, it's an earlier game than Dungeon Keeper, but this game's official release date is a, is lost. Bullfrog's own records don't remember when exactly they started selling this game. And the internet doesn't remember? Nope. Not Theme Park either. Uh, this is a game with guns. Theme Hospital? It's kind of amazing. <laughs> this is Syndicate? This is Syndicate, yeah. Man. Syndicate's release Seven. date is a mystery. It's lost to the ages. That's amazing. <laughs> you believe that for like a, you Lots know, some shitty ancient game that no one's ever heard of, but... <laughs> what was that, Cheb? Why does it get Eagle Eye on it? all right and that's another episode retro gaming news is all over that's all the retro gaming news we had hey that's not everything that came out in 1993 it's just a surface skim but on the other hand you have day of the tentacle x-wing sam and max hit the road doom syndicate daytona usa nba jam Missed. I didn't realize that at first. Missed. But yeah, Day of the Tentacle and Sam and Max hit the road in the same year. Yeah, LucasArts was on fire. <laughs> missed. Well, that wasn't Lucas. No, but but Mist also came out of this year. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> Mist and Return to Zork. Mist, <laughs> different developers. It's very unfortunate for Zork. <laughs> Zork got to come out and be compared unfavorably to Seventh Guest. Oh, and Which then Mist came out. Is a maddening fucking. <laughs> That, uh, have you played these games? You or Jeb? Have you played Seventh Guest? Or uh, yeah, yeah. Christ. Did you ever yeah. get to the? Um, did you ever get to the? Did I ever uh, get to the? I'll save you time. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> these games are when I learned that I do not ever want to do a cryptic crossword in my fucking. Life. <laughs> There's a puzzle in Seventh Guest. It might be in Eleventh Hour. I'm not sure which. Where you're basically trying to guide a guide a, a mitochondria or, or like a cell through a maze in a microscope. And there's a, there's a, it, when they reproduce, it changes the shape of the maze. And that reproduction cycle is linked to clock speed because they thought, surely no one will ever have a clock speed that breaks the mighty oh, no. 486. Oh, no. Which means they are now completely <laughs> unplayable now. Because you open them up and it's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Programmers, don't assume hardware is a constant, oh, please. Oh, man, yeah, just use actual time. That's more or less a constant. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us again this week, the listener. As always, we uh, we are grateful for the support you provide us on Patreon, and you help pay the server costs and keep this project going. Um, I say that we'd be doing this anyway. We'd just be yelling at our yelling at our basement. <laughs> yeah, but we so much appreciate that. All five of us, we love you very much, listener. Yes, thank you very much, the listener. Anyway, as ever, always, that was Jeb. That was Fox. Eventually, uh, <laughs> hey, I have always been Fox. <laughs> I have been varying degrees of intensity included in Fox, <laughs> but the Foxness is a constant. <laughs> anyway, that was talent. Tune in next week for when the podcast might include a bulk of content that isn't a litany of things I want to swear at.
Nice. Also, uh, the listener, if you're interested at all, we should totally grab uh, Jeb uh, for a special podcast on Jeb Explains the Magic the Gathering storyline, because <laughs> I've been watching him talk about that this week, and it is so much worse than I remember. <laughs> I thought they'd kind of gotten their shit together now. Oh, now they've reasonably got their shit together. Okay. This is from before the shit oh. was got. Oh, okay. I was I was reading the storyline from I was I was reading the storyline from twenty years ago. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Exactly how much of Magic: The Gathering's narrative has been Jesus Christ, Urza fucked it up again. <laughs> you want to say Gerard Christ then? <laughs> I think by the I think well no Gerard also spent a lot of times fucking everything up but I think Urza only triggered five cataclysmic events in his life yeah. <laughs> Only five little cataclysms. Fucking wizards, man. He lived for thousands of years. He lived for thousands of years. You're suggesting that any one of us, if we lived for thousands of years, would, would, you know, who among us would not trigger an equal number of cataclysms? Or maybe more. (laughs) We need to get down off our high, non-world-destroying horses. Phew, phew, you, you had the opportunity to destroy a world and not destroy it. Or not destroy yourself. Give you a few thousand years. Maybe. <laughs> I laugh, but I do. Um, I find the idea very convincing that long-lived races become completely detached from the idea of, of life and death permanence. Just like, eh, fuck it. They don't really count anyway. And this also led to the conversation I had with Fox. Well, even after, oh. even after, even after, even after Urza dies, his severed head still murders people. <laughs> this is part of why I like the uh, so. the Innistrad vampires being red as well. Yeah, because that has always seemed very vampirish mm-hmm. to me. Like pretty much would just turn into shitty wastrel teenagers <laughs> after a certain point. In. Uh, in uh, on a walk the other night, I, I explained to Fox that yeah, it's kind of nice that Ravnica is about when they finally got their shit together about the identity of the color pairs, and it's like the first time you really had like a group explaining their philosophy as being red white. And she says, "Well, no, surely they had the rebels in Mercadian Mass." And like, no, rebels aren't red white. Fuck, they're white. I know we have the benefit of hindsight, but still, fuck. <laughs> No, that's where the capital... Red were the capitalists. Red was for Lucania. <laughs> I'm not saying that doesn't work as well. <laughs> Surely capitalism is black. I Well, yes, but there's room especially for since, red. Especially since they were... Especially since they were... The, the, especially since a major theme of Arcadian Masks was stunning incompetence. I, I'm just saying, it was actually like a theme. The, the intent of Arcadian Masks itself was stunning incompetence. Oh, right, yes. Tell him was telling me about And Gerard constantly being held up by stunning incompetence. <sighs> Gerard constantly being held up by stunning incompetence. But, fortunately, a lot of the groups on Mercadia began to flock to Gerard because Gerard, too, was stunningly <laughs> They were really bad at heroes. Yep. Squee the Goblin defeated more adversaries in combat than Gerard did. Magic the Gathering. Fascinating stuff. <laughs>